What's on the menu for today, Head Chef Kev? Well, in, in celebration of the overindulgence of American Psycho, uh, we had Eggs Benedict today. And it was my first time making Eggs Benedict ever, so I had to watch a couple YouTube videos to, uh, to educate myself. Uh, Eggs Benedict via YouTube. Yes. That's yes. Mm -hmm. Disgusting. Um, so we, we poached some eggs, which is where you crack them into boiling hot water. Don't um, reveal the process. Oh, yeah. don't give away my secrets? <laughs> no. Okay, absolutely not. Shh. Poached eggs sitting atop a bed of English muffins, lightly toasted, <laughs> with Canadian <laughs> bacon, and topped with hollandaise sauce and chives, with a side of These chives of are green onions. Potatoes. Are they the same They're the thing? Same are they thing, the same thing? You ignoramus. Listen, <laughs> something, something that happened the other day, we were having an argument, and I think it's worth bringing up. Um, we were having a discussion about whether Kevin would... If he could receive uh, wizard powers in exchange for castrating himself, would he do it? Oh, yes. Why and not, he yeah. said he would absolutely do it. <laughs> yeah, I, said, yeah. I said no. And you can't use the powers to oh, give you yourself back. That's fine. No, you That's, can't do that. I, I didn't anticipate that. You, are, you are a unit for the rest of your days. Um, um, I'll wait until old age to do it. It might be Okay, wizard. have wait you seen... old age, that's fine. But um, have you seen Game of Thrones where Daenerys is like, "Do they take the pillar as well as the stones?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the cool. So what's the what's the caveat? So um, total emasculation. We we kind of had an argument. He said we we were going to have a wizard off, like a, a, a knowledge competition. Tanner claims he knows more about wizards. Than I did not. Say no that one at knows all. more about wizards. Than I did me. Not I'm say here to tell you guys <laughs> now that no one knows but more also, about wizards than me. <laughs> he was saying how he knew so much about wizards and how he was going to defeat me in this competition, and I said arrogance. And I type instead of saying the folly of man, I typed the foley of man. The foley, <laughs> <laughs> which is also true. Which it is. True. <laughs> um, you would be like the wizard from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the sorcerer with like the big old oh that the oh, the, curly the horns. horns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they call me Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I think Monty Python is it's hilarious. Tired. I love it. I love the I Holy love Grail. So what else did we fully describe? Oh, we had we hash browns too. Hash browns. We did have hash browns with. Uh, peppers and onions yes. and a variety of spices. So a fancy breakfast for a fancy, fancy movie. Uh, yes, and and vanilla coffee and mimosas Ooh. as well. Mimosas, and courtesy of our guest, uh, one Mister. Oh yes, let's introduce oh, our yes. guest. We forgot we have one. Alex Hollinghead. Yeah. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> That actually does warp my heart a little bit. I know. I was. It was really weird getting started because I'm used to hearing like an intro. Yeah. And uh, now I know that that's all a lie. It is a lie. It's whole actually, you're going to so be this podcast. Okay, listening audience, here's how they actually start the show. There's a pregnant pause, and then they just start talking. Yeah. They start talking about what's happening. <laughs> it's also all a set. This is all a yeah. TV set. It's all it's, a set. It's a. We, it's the shittiest soundstage. We use. The there is a real Alabama's. kitchen, though. There is a real kitchen. We use fake liquor. And like fake no, colored liquor. No, we don't. No, no, we <laughs> don't. We're That's set right. up. Alex, the day with Alex, a screwdriver. How dare you? We're set up in front of a green screen too. Yeah. It doesn't really come. No, into it we're not recording anything. anything. We're in the motion capture uniforms like Gollum. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> so we watched American Psycho. We brought Alex on because he is currently reading the book American Psycho. Um, it's a hard. He book. has no other qualifications. He has no other qualifications. Alex, That's the only thing I've ever done actually. has an associate's <laughs> degree in stenography from uh, from Miss Seavers. For profit online university. <laughs> for, for profit online university. <laughs> I was gonna say Miss Seavers Secretarial School, which is where Peggy Olson has her associate's degree from in Mad Men. Um, so, Alex, tell us about why you decided to start reading American Psycho and, like, what your process of reading it has been like. Because it's a really cool book adaptation. I think they did a really interesting thing in adapting it. Um, I don't know. It just seemed like a really interesting book. And I had read passages from it before. And just the whole concept of Patrick Bateman going and just the way he's neurotic about everything, I thought that was really interesting. I actually, on account of that, have a really different reading of it personally than I see a lot of the a lot of the times um and I'm actually going to go ahead and disagree uh starting now with everything that everyone else says okay fine <laughs> that's fine um and it's been I it's a fun read uh I know that, that it's a weird thing to say and maybe that's because I haven't got into the most gruesome parts of it yet I'm only like halfway through with it um but no it, I mean it's been it's been pretty interesting it's it's a completely different experience from the movie because in the book you're like it's almost it's it's like Patrick is talking to you the whole time, and in the movie you're you're looking at him as a third party, and I think that really fundamentally alters the experience. When you say that your reading is different, you're you're like interpreting him as neurotic. What do you mean that your reading you think is different than a lot of people's? Well, when I read about American Psycho, I always see all these like feminist critiques, and I see like oh, it's a critique of capitalism, blah blah blah, blah. and I think that those fail to capture um, that the element of it that. I think that it's a critique of the reader. I think it's a critique of all of us as consumers. Who are reading the book. Who, Yeah, like all of us who are doing this. I think that there's a... I think that we're all Patrick Bateman in a way. And that's this creepy thing about the book is you're reading it and he's like living the good life. And he's fixating on material items the same way you would when you're like in a store or something like that. And it's just... Um, I don't know. It kind of It's a book that reads the reader, I think. Yeah. How... How different from the movie is it? You've seen the movie, right? Yeah. So I, I know you mentioned the perspective is different. Uh, in the movie, you get sort of into the mind of Patrick Bateman, whereas in the book, it's more of a third-person experience. Uh, but is the movie a pretty true adaptation of the book, or does it take a lot of liberties? Um, I, it kind of takes a lot of liberties. I mean, like I said, it's a fundamentally different experience when you're watching it, because when you're watching it, it's like, look at that monster... But when you're reading it, you're kind of like he he deadens you, you. Like do you yeah. relate to him more as you're reading it, since he's sort of. Well, it's weird. I don't say I, I don't know if I relate to him because I'm not motivated by the same things that he is. But he does these things and th- his thought patterns. Like I can see that in myself, and I see it in a lot of my friends. Like when we talk about things, like how he just goes on and on about music, and he's talking about all these things he's read about them and things like that. Um, and then what was what was the other thing you asked? Oh, oh, is it a Just, true adaptation? Yeah. I think that every scene in the movie in some way comes from the book. Um, sometimes they'll do things... Like, one thing that they did that I don't really like because I think it fundamentally changes his personality is he has those women over and he's, like, staying there talking to music to the women... Mm-hmm. But the passages in the, in the book, book where he's yeah. going on and on about music are just standalone chapters. 
So you see him and the way he entertains other people and interacts in other people, to me, comes off a little bit different in the book. Is the book written in first person? Yeah. Mm, is it? Yeah. No, it's... Yeah. It is. Kind of, well, it's hard to say. Like, sometimes it is, and then sometimes it's like he's talking... It's like second person almost. He's like talking to you about Genesis. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, cause I, I read the book before I saw the, I'd seen like snippets of the movie. Um, and then I read the book when I was re- way too young to have been reading the book and it was, I had to stop reading. The, the biggest difference for me between the book and the movie is that in the movie you get a much more gruesome depiction of the murders. And in the, in the movie, he never really tortures anybody in the book. He spends extended chapters torturing people and you, it's a slow buildup in the book. It's a long time before he, he actually before he actually starts yeah. killing so like and and then once he does it's just like it just hits you full force and it just never stops until the book is over and he it's there's That's, this constant tension between like will he every interaction he has with the person after that he starts finally and he keeps people like alive for a long period of time and tortures them in like various locations around New York City and you, the whole every tension every moment you have with a character you're like oh my god is he going to the next person he talks to is he going to abduct and attack and torture this person? Um, well, that's I think that's one of the ways the book's really effective is it's like the first 120 pages of the book, you're just getting caught up in the cycle of Patrick's life. Like they go to dinner every night. Yeah. Um, well, you don't know if it's every night because it's not... It's never chronological. It's weird. Yeah, the was... chron- chronology is will skip periods of time, but they go out all the time. They have these. They go out to clubs. Yeah. They eat food. Like he it goes, starts around. He Christmas. returns videotapes all the time. Like he <laughs> does the same things all the time, and the whole time you kind of get lost in this thought process. These like paragraph long <coughs> descriptions of uh, fine clothing and things like that. Yeah. And then, but Sorry. the whole time it's kind of. The, there are these like flashes of insanity peppered in like he he talks about killing people all the time it's like no one is listening to him yeah. even he's giving off these warnings that's things. in the movie that they do that I like they the do, way they do yeah, that in they the do movie, that really well in the movie. You, the first time he talks to that the um the girl at the, at the bar the, the club they go to and he tells her he's like I, he like insults her and all this stuff and she doesn't react yeah. and so that all I mean spoiler alert the whole I think the most, and by basic, I do mean basic in the uh, colloquial sense. Like, it's it's real basic. basic. When people have to ask, people are like, did it happen in his head or is it real? I'm like, I think that's missing the point. Who cares? Yeah, I was like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. He does also, I think when he's talking to his co-workers, they ask him, he's talking about like having sex with some girl, but he's like, oh yeah, I cut her open and turned her inside out or something like that. Like, I that think scene was so well done because they're like... The whole conversation, they're, like, talking about this woman, or talking about women, like, they lack agency and, like, their meats. And then yes, all of a sudden, he yeah. takes that to... Uh, a literal level. I don't know I say it's logical extension, but he takes that to extreme. He's like, yeah, I'd chop her up and, yeah. you know. Um, and that's and the, laugh. the thing when they, he finally... They, yeah, they're like, haha, it's the same. No, they're yeah. all, Aren't they... Were they quiet? Some, there's, like, in the movie, there's, like, a very... There's, like, I don't actually... I just... I, I watched it last night, and I don't remember that scene. I do remember a scene where he's... Every time he like makes a confession, oh, he he's talking about being murders in murders and executions. And, yeah, and they 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 mishear him. Alan was feeling himself on that one. <laughs> murders and, murders and acquisitions. Um, there's a scene where he is talking to a group of people, and like there are these models that are with him, and he tells them that they're like, oh, what do you what do you what department do? You? And he says he's in murders and executions, and they mishear it, or they they mishear it as mergers and acquisitions. 
and that's one of them. There's either there's there's a few I, things that see, happen. I I sort of got the the feeling that a lot of the things he says, like he says that, and then when he's insulting the the bartender at yeah. the bar in one of the first scenes, and there are a number of other times where he just casually mentions like, "I have a problem. I have to murder people and yeah. stuff." I get the feeling that that's the sort of stuff that he's thinking in his head, but doesn't say out loud because it doesn't um, draw the kind of responses yeah. you would expect. Another reading is that because of Patrick Bateman and his status, people are trained to not listen or like they're. It's inconceivable that a man like that would. They're just like they. Uh, there's some scenes where people like he tells his lawyer specifically. Mm-hmm. He's like, I did all these things, and his lawyer's like, What a joke! Silly. He's like, He's like, That's so funny! I can't believe. And that also ties into. There's this a thing that happens when he he in the movie when he confronts his lawyer. He says, I mur-, we're skipping right to the end. I apologize. Are you talking <laughs> about when he made the phone call? Yeah. So he he skip he he tells his his lawyer. He's like, I've murdered all these people. Blah blah blah. And then his lawyer tells. And then he. He runs into his lawyer at the Cornell Club, and he's like, that wasn't a joke. I was, I'm serious. And he's like, oh, it's so ridiculous to think that Patrick Bateman could do all that. His lawyer doesn't recognize him. Just like in the in the book, there's this, they do it in the movie a little bit, a lot, actually. They do it a lot more visually in the movie, but the idea is that none of these men can tell each other apart. Yeah. They're constantly mistaking someone for someone else. Patrick Bateman is mistaken for somebody else multiple times. That's how he's able to murder Paul Allen in the first place. Well, to um, me, that says that they're just fundamentally not listening to one another. Like yeah. that's the reason why he can say those things is because no one's just actually listening. listening to they're him. just talking. Right. And but then, so and then his lawyer. Like I mean, I think that also ties into the whole thing where he's like, uh, "I'm simply not there. Like there is no yeah. Patrick Bateman. I'm just uh, an entity. Yeah. Like there's no person that people are listening to. It's just like another person. You do. Suit. Yeah. And you do. Um. And so then, whenever he tells his lawyer all that stuff, his lawyer's like, "That that's he's he tells his lawyer that's the only time someone takes him serious. He's his lawyer's like." Like this isn't funny anymore. He's like you're. He's like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. And he's like, I. That's impossible. You killed Paul Allen. I had lunch with Paul Paul Allen in London two days ago. Which, in on one hand, you're like, oh, well, did, did it all he... happen? But then I'm like, but you wouldn't have recognized him right. if you did, because they in the movie mm-hmm. they have multiple actors who are dressed. And styled exactly like Christian Bale is dressed. It's like they have the slick back hair, hair, the the same same glasses, the same suits, the same voice that they're doing. Well, I think it's great that you point that out because Brett Easton Ellis and the writers of the movie often express frustration that people... Um, only interpret it as all of it going on in Patrick's head. I think think that that moment when they were writing it was supposed to have a lot more weight. When he said, I had lunch with Paul last last week, I think the viewer is supposed to say, did you really, though? Would you recognize Paul Allen if you saw him? Yeah, exactly. And it didn't get carried over Mm -hmm. the way they wanted it to because everything is about Patrick. Yeah. I I think that that's... And it, it, the, the question that people have about this book, or about the movie, even, is, like, who is Patrick Bateman? Like, whenever he wrote... Um, the Part of the reason I wanted to talk about this movie is because it's such an interesting adaptation of a book. Because um, Brett Easton Ellis wrote a screenplay for this that was rejected. Um, he's implied heavily in a lot, of his, a lot of his other work that he's written. Like, he's done kind of ghostwriting stuff. I don't know what you... Tanner, what do you, what do you call a ghostwriter on a screenplay? They are just a, a, a yeah. screenwriter. He does just, well. He does. He does. He's implied. They're irrelevant yeah. after they after the script is bought. <laughs> exactly. They say fuck Bye. off. That's hashtag. The director can be go like, we're going to change all this, yeah. and the writer has no say whatsoever. Hashtag Mario Puzo when he wrote Superman. The guy who wrote The Godfather wrote some of the yeah. scripts for Superman, the Superman movies. Hashtag Jaws, and that writer was pissed when they did that ending scene, which was not in the book. Um. Ooh. What so the the thing the why I wanted to talk about this is because so everyone's like, 
who is Patrick Bateman? Whenever Brett Easton also wrote this initially, um, they're like, you know, his, his, I almost said his record label, his publishing house, Simon & Schuster, dropped him because of all the controversy. Because the book is, the first time I read it, I had to stop reading because it got so great. I actually, before they even got to the first murder, he was just describing stuff. I was like, I am not comfortable. <laughs> Aside from the monotony of... Isn't and that I, kind of the, it's supposed to be exactly, kind of yeah. appealing or, you know, it's so outrageous that you have to read it. Is that kind well, of the appeal it of it? It got to the point where I was like, it's so... I mean, it's also part of yeah. the, the conceit of Keep the, in the mind, book. Keep in mind, you know, I'm, I'm young reading. I'm like 18, 19. Yeah, okay. I'm 17 maybe even. I was reading this. I don't have a lot of experience with this type of... I probably didn't understand what was... The movie is not as anywhere near as no. violent as book. Like, the scene where he kills a homeless man, he, like, talks to him for five minutes, kind of insinuating that he's going to help him. And then he, like, stabs him in the eyes and, like, stabs him in the stomach until his guts fall out and does all this stuff. He, like, stomps on the dog's legs and breaks the dog's legs. Yeah. And, like, he just... it's He slashes the guy's throat. Like, it's a very... And everything is... is Graphically written, It's written in the way... That to the level of detail, but also with the same detached like uh, perspective as when he's talking about people's suits. Yeah, he's like, I did this, and then the this part of him fell out, and then I did that, and like. Can we talk about the business cards? That's yeah, that's, that's like my the... favorite Patrick Bateman freak out. Is it with a business? Card? <laughs> I love the way they the way they do it in the I, the way they do it in the movie where he just drops the like he just kind of goes dead in the eyes and drop. <laughs> oh, and in the movie they have this sound effect whenever I think it is Paul Allen who hands him the business card yeah. over the table. There's this like whooshing of wind sound effect, and I was like, that's really cool. That's really, there's this like every time they there's a weight to the car. There's a, an audio audio audible audible sound whenever the card like moves across the space that these guys are handing it. It's really cool. You know what's funny <laughs> is that like to me all those business cards look pretty much the same. They're supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. eggshell white. It's bone. Or the distinctions of their yes. drawing are, are imperceptible to the average yeah. person. And which is so cool. That's the coolest part of it is because you're watching they're it. all indistinguishable from each other as well. But the movie presents it as though there's this vast difference because like when right. Patrick Bateman gets that one card and he just and they all have slightly different fonts. Like it's very slightly. But he, he just draws he like he's holding the business card and he re- you hear the voiceover in his head he's like oh I can't believe and, and I can't believe blah blah and then mm-hmm. he just lets it fall and drops and then the people are like are you okay Patrick because you get the <laughs> sense that other people in this world are not you get the sense that other people aren't reacting or perceive or like understanding this, the things in the you, same way you get the feeling from Patrick that everyone else is living a life way more effortlessly than he is and whenever he's you, the sense that I got from the book is that he is feels like he's constantly having to struggle, and he thinks that everyone else is kind of doing this stuff uh, effortlessly. If that makes sense. There's another scene later with um, the character Lewis, who I think is actually Lewis the only, Carruthers. He's the only one who actually Carruthers. looks different from everybody else. He does. Yeah. He's got a different hairstyle, different hair color. He he wears a bow tie mm-hmm. instead of a, you know a regular tie and duotone shirt. Um, and anyways, later on in the in the movie, he decides he's going to get a new business card too, and he walks by the gents <laughs> and shows, "Oh, I just wanted to get your opinion on my new business yeah. card," and it Patrick, throws Patrick into that... such a fit of rage that he follows him into the bathroom, bathroom. with the intent of murdering yeah. him. And then he almost well, has sex with him. Here's or like, the like, thing: he comes on to Patrick, and Patrick yeah. doesn't kill him. Yeah, and Patrick kills people all the time for like no reason. So right. it's really strange to me that he didn't kill him. Yeah. yeah, why? Why do you think that is? Why in that instance? Some because people. Freddie Snell is a big homo. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> some people have read that as like a. Some people interpret and read American Psycho as, um. Not I'm trying to think of the right words as like a book about repressed homosexuality. 
I have the squeaky. You guys gave me the squeaky chair. I'm the guest. I'm they supposed to sit squeak. in a nice chair. They all squeak. That doesn't make me sound like an idiot. I sound like an idiot right now. <laughs> you, do do. <laughs> you can't. I have zero credibility when I'm sitting on a squeaky chair. Oh my god. Alex, do as I do. Just don't say anything until you are sure you have something good to say. We've 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 so uh, not much. we've conditioned Tanner. We've like beat him down. We're like Tanner, if you open your mouth and say something stupid, we will punish you You're after done. the recording. <laughs> um, like like with our uh, our recording Bonnie editor. Emo. Oh yeah. my god! The three of my eyebrows just came out. <laughs> what did you say? So three of my eyebrow hairs just came out. <laughs> Dude, you're dying. I'm dying. <laughs> okay, so we're going back to Americans. Uh, Alex's uh, oh eminent God. death aside. <laughs> um, pa- like I the, just had a Patrick Bateman moment over my pa- eyebrows. If Patrick Bateman's eyebrows fell out, he would have a. He'd have to stop writing the book. He'd be like, "I'm done." <laughs> Oh well, speaking of that, that's a good transition into the morning routine and all Ooh, the visual yes. stuff that he uh, Alex, tell us about looking at the Reddit uh, thread for people trying oh out. Oh my god. Okay, so Patrick. there is a subreddit for skincare advice. And it, and like <laughs> skincare once advice. all the time, like there's <laughs> constantly there's const there's subreddits for any topic. There are subreddits for dimensions that don't exist. <laughs> um anyway. <laughs> um so look up fifth world problems if you think I'm joking. <laughs> oh lord. So anyway, uh, this question gets asked all the time on Reddit. Like, what do you guys think of Patrick Bateman's skincare routine? And the general consensus is that he uses way too damn many moisturizers and cleansers. Like this guy scrubs his face like three times. I he puts he on a moisturizer. He exfoliates. He moisturizes. I actually have a face mask that's the same. It's like the same. Like you peel it off. It's like, like yeah, it like feels so peel? cool. No, it's not a chemical peel. It's just a. It's just like a. Peel. Um, it's not a peel. It, uh, the, the the face mask itself, you peel it off, but it's not. It's just like he a. Yeah, it's like a peel though. I is it? it? Maybe I in the it, movie he, he does the off. thing. I, I have the I have the exact. It looks the exact same where it's like transparent and you're like yeah. I am simply and every time I do it I'm like, like you're shedding skin. I am simply not. Every <laughs> morning Spencer looks at himself I haven't in the used it in years. And no, that me, line peeling his face off. Y'all too lazy to use a mask. Let's talk about what he does right. Okay. Okay. So. First thing is he waits to shave the neck hairs last when they're more sensitive from like having the soap on them longer. That's smart. If uh, if you're a man of beard like Kevin, then and hauling head, oh, we all have beards today. Ooh. <gasps> oh, we all look like we were up all night drinking. Do you guys want to rub our beards together, like scratch our beards <laughs> together over the microphones? <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> I'll put that sound effect in later. Just like it's just like steel wool. Wait, on... I don't know if I can. Does it um, pick up? By our powers we're united. All... <laughs> Our beard, uh, that'd be a cool superhero group, beards. No, <laughs> they did that in Dexter's laboratory. They did. You just said laboratory. Oh my god. I say that. Oh, is there aluminium in this aluminium. laboratory? <laughs> oh, shut up. That's how aluminium, they pronounce it in Aluminium, aluminium doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, that's the way it was originally spelled. And we of were the like, Academy. we don't need that eye. That's Americans' fault. Do they still have the eye? Because it's like uranium, plutonium, aluminium, and we just dropped the eye. We were like, fuck it. Aluminum. 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 Y'all got some of that aluminum? 
Aluminum? It's an unnecessary eye. Aluminium? It's so well, much, okay, so anyway, much more. It's too back, much. back to the skincare resume. Um, <laughs> Pronunciation aside. Another good thing that he does is he doesn't use toners or aftershaves with alcohol in them because alcohol dries out your skin, it's, which makes, makes you look, look older. older. It's impossible. When I was a does kid, all the time. when yeah. I was a kid, I was like always trying to find an alcohol without toner. I was like, it's what Patrick Bateman said. I should find it without toner. <laughs> Patrick Bateman style. Yeah. Spencer um, is Patrick no, Bateman. It's, you it's really important. Okay, here's one. <laughs> thing that he does is actually a really bad idea is he puts on that like ice mask every morning yeah that will burst blood vessels in your face and make you look older so <laughs> it's not a good idea to do will that it really? doesn't, yeah, he doesn't like, do it every morning he says if i wake up if and my puffy. skin is puffy but that, that for your face to cool down that much that fast is not good yeah. for your face so. i don't think his workout routine is like the most productive either he's, he's like, like i can do a, a bajillion i was like girl but that's not <laughs> Like that's not. Christian what you need Bale to do. looked good in that in that movie. And he had just come off of Memento. The Machinist. The Machinist. No, no, it was no the that machinist. was Machinist. Was, was later. Batman. Yeah, the Machinist. So was... he was still there. Was he just did good? And then he got real emaciated. And then he got that's real buff. That's his thing. Again. That's his thing. Like he he has. That's Hollywood he's thing. Tanner. Well, he's gonna die so young. Like he the extreme nature of like Mark his, Tanner's like, word. He goes like he goes from like the fighter where he's like really like thin and emaciated uh, to um, American Hustle where he's fat uh, and like yeah he was real jumpy and gross. Did and you read like, that thing? Or American Hustle? <laughs> Do yeah. you read that thing? Who I can't remember who played opposite him, but she was like it's just it was repulsive to kiss him because he was fat and crazy. Amy Adams tore into Christian Bale. Really? <laughs> She's like, it was gross. I was like, damn, Amy. Amy that's she said that in public. So, Amy's getting a uh, quality. Yeah. She's getting the uh, quality, sweet smelling uh, Hollywood muscle hunk. Makeout sessions okay. on the reg. I was glad that that was a makeout session. I didn't know where you were going. Because <laughs> usually when we talk about somebody getting something, it's not a makeout session. So I didn't know what was going to be. Trying to keep it PG Okay. Also, this is a weird biblical translation thing, but people are there's a weird thing. That might take no. There's a weird thing in the Bible about people translating. Um, Jesus' sacrifice is like a sweet-smelling offering. I'm like, I want to know what the original Greek was, people. Yeah. What are we doing? Are we trying to say fragrant? Can we just say fragrant for Pete's sake? Sweet-smelling. <laughs> like and you know whose like, fault that is? The fault of Protestants. The fault in our stars. How is that the fault of Protestants? Because they'll translate it into No, but you, they, the Catholics aren't reading it in Greek. They were reading it in fucking Latin. So they translated it. We were reading it in Greek, too. They're doing a side by side. They had like two books out at once, two tablets out at once. They had two, two Kindles, two Kindles <laughs> swiping through. Back, uh, back to Patrick Bateman's uh, morning routine. Alex, continue your critique of the morning routine. Oh, um, he listens to the Talking Heads in the morning, which is honestly the best music he listens to. Um, Stephen Bishop is not good. <laughs> um, Huey Lewis is okay. Um, Whitney's good. Um, Genesis and Genesis. Bill Collins. Okay, but the thing about it is, he only likes Genesis when they like become more shallow, which I guess is the point. Mm-hmm. But a I critique? thought it was, you know, that's funny that we were talking about earlier. You know, he talks about Land of Confusion by Genesis, and in a way, Land of Confusion as a song is doing what Patrick Bateman was doing when he was talking about all those social problems in the world. You know, because Land of Confusion is about like, oh, we we there's too many people and there's not enough to go around and like blah 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 blah, and it's kind of uh, this vapid like there are issues kind of song. Yeah. 
So I think it's interesting he talks about that. Um, his apartment is another cool thing. In the in the book, they describe a painting that doesn't that he doesn't have in the movie. In the movie, he has a painting that looks to me like the the um, opening credits of Mad Men. It's just like a guy. It's like a, a black outline of a suit, and it's like a guy falling. Which I'm like, madman. Um, but in the book, he has the David Onika uh, painting of a woman watching MTV, and there are a bunch of broken plates around her. Yeah. Which is like a nonsense '80s painting. I actually never fish. Yeah, I'd never looked it up before. It's nonsense. It is nonsense. I'd never looked it up before today, um, and I thought I imagine it way differently in my head. Yeah, I imagine it's, it's like it totally fits in his apartment. It's got that weird '80s minimal kind of yeah. like. Gross. Uh, bizarre. It's like he's bizarre. got the, it's the telescope. A cool thing about um, it reminds me of Courage, the Cowardly Dog. Yeah, that's yeah, so I love true. It. It does. Really similar. You're right. I don't know why. It's no, like a weird connection a to make comparison. because that's almost like unrelated entirely. But it's very much like I don't know. Is it what is that style? Surrealism. Is it surrealism? Because it also harkens to um, Salvador Dali a little bit. Yeah, the, I see that. The plates are definitely the plates, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that American Psycho received a lot of flack for, it received a lot of criticism from feminist critics. Uh, like, strangely, his aunts, Gloria Steinem. His great uncle. Uh, great uncle. His, his stepmother, Patrick Bateman's. No, not Patrick Bateman. Christian Bale's. Wallace. No, Christian Bale's stepmother oh, is Gloria Steinem. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, really? Yeah, so Gloria Stein was one of the most vocal critics of American Psycho, and she's also Christian Bale's stepmom, which is weird. And also, to make things weird for real at Thanksgiving. Holidays, yeah. Thanksgiving. Um, and I, to be honest, that's why I stopped reading it the first time. I was like, this Ooh. violence against women is getting really hard to sit through. And people, as like on a surface reading, that's what it comes across as. Like in a, a surface reading, it's just like this is just all this degradation, and violence towards women, literally treating. And I think that women. Patrick Bateman really only ever, in the book, tortures women for extended periods of time. Most of the men that he kills, he kind of just kills them in one in one go. Yeah. And it's the women that he, like, keeps and tortures over and over again, which is super dark. It's... There it is. Well, he has uh, um, that notebook that his secretary finds. It's full of all those... The drawings, like, yeah. Drawings. And Let's... those drawings are actually emblematic of the way that feminist critics see the movie. It's just like pornographic and violent and yeah. featuring women being... It really is, though. That movie is um, pretty pro- yeah. pornographic. And, and I, you know, like, it's very well, graphic depictions of And you know everything. what? There's, there's a scene early in the movie where he's on the phone and in the background on the TV is, the porn. is a porno playing. Later on, there's another scene where he's on the phone and on the TV is like I'm the Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre where he's slashing this woman he's up. He's always so, like, renting porn pornography and killing women are like exactly. one of the same. Yeah, and it reminds me, though... Um, one of the reasons that I guess a lot of people are like, oh, is it a dream state or whatever, is partially the, the scene where the one uh, woman is starting to get away and, like, she's getting down the stairs and he's, like, at the top of the stairs and he throws yeah. the chainsaw down and it gets her. I've always like, wondered how that logistic... And you, you never see it. They never show you... No, they don't you. show it getting her, but they show her dead, like, at the bottom With the of the... With a chainsaw stairs. sticking out of her well, stomach. Yeah. That that was a weird thing. They also show him, like, drawing that over and over again. Like, they show him drawing that in his planner. And also, I was like... Why does he keep a planner? That's He's true. got a secretary. <laughs> but um, I just well, slipping through the planner. Let's talk like about two dates written down, and the rest of it is just filled with doodles. Of Here's a cool thing. You know, so in the porn. in the marketing for the movie, they had this thing. Like this is the very beginning of internet marketing. They had this thing where you could sign up to receive like these emails from, from Patrick Bateman that were like from his therapist, and they like Brett Snell supposedly, according to the Wikipedia page, a very two thousand thing. Very two thousand thing to do. They, Brett Snell's like signed off on the writings of these emails. Their emails. 
Insightful marketing through email. Exactly. Internet Early internet marketing is hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, but there are emails from Patrick Bateman to his therapist where he describes um, actually marrying Chloe Sevigny, who plays his secretary, Jean. Like, marrying her and then divorcing yeah. her and having a child. All this weird... And I was like, I, I like... Okay, for In me, the, the saving... like, I'll probably marry my secretary. He does! I totally forgot about that. He's like, he's like this my is my secretary, secretary Jean, who I'll probably marry. Um, and I, I like that he doesn't kill her. Because to me, that's the thing that's, that... I don't think Patrick Bateman has any redeeming qualities, but his instinct to... And I think that's what prevents him from being, like, a true... If we're talking about, like, a true sociopath. I think that's the, th- the, the His hesitation his recalcitrance to murder Jean, who was, like, the perfect embodiment of, like, innocent... She's obviously... He's always, like, my secretary, who's in love with me. She's she's presented as having this admiration for Patrick. In the movie, she obviously, like, has feelings for him, and he stops himself very pointedly from killing her. Um, like, he has that, that instinct where he's like, I know this thing is wrong, I know it's wrong to do this. And you don't get it as much in the book, because you're or in the movie, you're not getting ever his, like, narration, where he's like, oh... My secretary, who I love, my secretary, who I'll probably marry. But Does I think he say that he loves her. I don't. No, I don't I'm sorry. Know. My secretary, who loves me. Oh. Sorry, um, who's probably in love with me. And I, he does, but he does engage in that same type of emotional abuse that he or he tells her like not wear that. He tells her to not wear that outfit again. He kind of you're prettier he, than that. Yeah, he ignores her a lot. Um, I love Chloe Seventy in that. I love me some Chloe Seventy. One of the things, um, this isn't like a fully formed thought, but one of the things from the book, it comes up once in a movie, but I just like the idea of it, is when he's like, just say no. Yeah. He says it in the movie, but he's just like shouting it when he's in a frenzy. But during the, he has this weird thing where he's being in, oh, I wish I could remember the exact details. He's like being invited to dinner or something like that, and he's telling his secretary. He's like, just saying, he's like, just say no. Yeah, he's and constantly... And it comes up all throughout the book, like, just say no. And I think that's one of the things that actually... That's when you kind of see him stepping out of the character of Patrick Bateman as this, like, executive person. Because, you know, they say yes all the time. They go to do all this shit all the time. And then there's sometimes where his his dark nature peeks through, just like when he's talking about killing people to their face. Yeah. He's like, just say no. I don't want to do it. No, no, no. Yeah. Like, he can't handle the pressure of living in that world. Um, I think, I mean, I just, I keep thinking about, uh, the, the character of Patrick Bitten was never so clearly contextualized for me as when I read, um, what is it, Rules of Attraction, and you see Patrick's younger brother, who's infinitely cooler, infinitely more successful, if I remember correctly, can secure a reservation at Dorcia, and you see, <laughs> you get that tension between the two of them where it's like, Patrick is furious and his brother can, like, do all these things. Like, Patrick has lived... He's very much the stereotype of the person who's done all the right things in life. He's done exactly what life... He went to Harvard. He went to Harvard Business School. He got the job. He got the job that he doesn't need. And his um, brother is, like, a drug dealer? Yeah, his brother. His brother's, like, a drug dealer who's, like, kind of a, a huge slacker getting into all this trouble and is effortlessly cool. And, like, the 80, that 80s effortless John... Not John Waters... That- uh, who's the John Hughes cute, uh, cool without and Patrick has to work Patrick has to work so hard and that's actually the book is all about Patrick's effort in my a lot of the neuroticism is yeah. is born out of his like I have to be this certain way I have to do these certain things a cool thing in the book is that you see him interacting with celebrities which plays into in another book that also 
Brett Easton Ellis successfully sued the creators of um, Zoolander oh, because yeah. he wrote he wrote the book called Glamorama, which is about a male model, like a cabal of male models <laughs> turned terrorists slash spies. Patrick Bateman appears in that book too, and you get the characters. These characters in Glamorama are effortlessly cool. They're, it's in the 90s. They're all these like supermodels and TV stars and actors, and they interact with Patrick Bateman and every single character is like he's so he's so weird. I don't like him. All these women like all like literally over and over again. Not over and over again, but you every time Patrick Bateman is kind of peripherally mentioned, he's described as having like weird stains on his clothing, and the characters are like yeah, like I... that scene where that lady comes in the laundromat and mm -hmm. he's arguing with the yeah. the owners over the. The yeah. blood stains. Um, in, in 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 less in uh, rules of attraction, that's the the th I think they describe him having weird stains it's, on his clothing too. But like it's it's like the no only one likes who Patrick. He's yeah. crazy or never in his social class. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, you know I I don't know I dislike a lot of the mainstream conversation about American Psycho because I feel like it's it's really formulaic, um, and 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 one of the ways that I think it's formulaic is like. The critique, the, the idea that it's a critique of capitalism, I feel like um, that's a really easy reading of it because he's a Wall Street executive. But I think what's really happening is it's a critique of capitalism in the sense that every anybody who reads it or watches it is participating in capitalism, not just like Patrick Bateman is a millionaire, but all of us are consumers. And we all have this kind of narrative in our head all the time when we see things that people abide or that we could buy and we're like these are its qualities and is it good or is it bad and like we read reviews about movies and we do all these kind of we have all these neurotic fixations like Patrick has but they're not played out to that extreme like they you don't get to see violent consequences of that way of thinking I mean I think yeah go ahead Kim I was just going to say that's how um American Psycho really works as a satire is it takes something and stretches it to um it's extreme yeah. um and satire doesn't necessarily have to be humorous. A lot of people hear the word satire and, and they, they think, think the onion. it has to be funny. Yeah. yeah, they think the onion or click hole or something like that. But satire's main function is just is to make us think more than to make us laugh. And a lot of pieces of satire are not necessarily funny or humorous in nature. And you can make the argument that American Psycho, the movie at least, is a very dark comedy. And right. I think at times it is. And I think at times it's not as successful at being funny. But it is... Um, a very potent piece of satire. Well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit because I feel like now that I'm like I because I saw when I was younger I was like okay mm -hmm. whatever but now I have that <clears throat> I was like reading the book and I watch it I feel like I feel like American Psycho doesn't work as satire and in the movie I feel like the movie doesn't work very well as satire because why is that it's because it makes Patrick Bateman. A, a them instead of an us. Like when you watch the movie, he does. Like you, he, it's like okay. he, look at that weirdo. He's so crazy. But when like you're, it's those like people, those rich people, like exactly. Separate. It looks like and they're separate from. And us. even then, it's not even just like the rich people. It's like these people who are like so self-absorbed. The Wall just, Street elite. Like, yeah, they're not yeah. us. Those like that's such a specific group of people. And also, I mean, Pat, you're saying he's kind of extreme. Mm -hmm. He doesn't. I mean, he is extreme. I mean, he's killing people. He's a, like a psychopath. But, but that's the only extreme he thing he does. Yeah, that's the only extreme in thing. The he doesn't seem like 
just ridiculously like blown out of proportion, like well, making I mean, fun, like clearly. Like for instance, just... the the business card scene. He's the one who seems obviously like the most disturbed by these business cards. But that's cards. only because you can and... hear his internal monologue. Right. Because he has the same, like, they're all just saying they're stone picks. Well, like that, and then his frustration with not getting into Dorcia, and he's obviously very pissed off about that. When he goes, oh, no one even goes to Dorcia anymore. But I would argue I feel like they again, do take a lot of things to the extreme with him beyond just the murder of people. I feel like, once again, that's just kind of a look at look at them. Like, that's... When, that's not the common man. That's like the elite, and they have all these right. heavy things they get angry about. Well, satire about. doesn't but have then, to criticize like us as a whole. It can critique just one specific. I, I get that, but what I'm saying is, if you when you read the way that it work, the book works as a satire, in my opinion, better is the experience is more universal because okay the, the way it's broken down. Like I I get where you're coming from, but I feel like when you watch it, it's alienating to anyone who's not very wealthy. And it mm-hmm. makes the satire of I mean, them. Right. Like when you're, From the when very you're, opening scene where you hear the yeah. waiters going, Oh, special is a seafood reveal. The Spanish fried uh, sponge with grapefruit tartare. <laughs> and then they go... Grapefruit they go, farts. Oh, it's only $500, not that expensive. <laughs> they do, and they all toss and like, their... The, their the first emotion also, you have towards this group of people is, is like <gasps> complete hatred. <laughs> Yeah, but when you read the book, all that stuff is there, like all of the excess is there, but it's given to you in a, such a disturbingly relatable way because you're reading the thought process, like that, just the way he describes it, the way he walks you through it makes you feel like you're sitting there at the table and you're, you're thinking him. those things. Because what the way that I think the satire in the book is really effective is it taps into human beings how we behave as consumers. So anytime you go shopping on Amazon, you're comparing items and you're looking at all the specs, that's exactly what Patrick Bateman is doing. And what makes the book so freaky is it makes you see how you're like Patrick Bateman. And and in that way, it's it's a really great satire of consumerism because, like I said, we are all well, consumers. But are we not like Patrick Bateman in that, you know, we discussed sort of his, he's trying to be, he doesn't really fit in with these sort of yuppie characters because... They like think he's a dork. They think he's sort of different. But he wants to like be in that crowd. He wants to fit in that crowd. Much like like everybody, you know, capitalism yeah. is always like you're working. Yeah. Well, that's what to he, be when he describes people. it's hip to be square. He's like, you know, it's the joy of the pleasure of conformity. Yeah, like that's the that's why that that piece of music or that the way he describes it is so significant because he's he's giving you his like thesis statement. He's like, yeah. I'm conf- and these things, these yeah, like repressed. Um, or sublimated. Not even repressed, but like hidden. Yeah, and like these desires to just to consume people as though they are products as well is. Which I I thought like those scenes. There's three of them where he describes a uh, band or artist. Yeah, or whatever, there, were, there or, were three. He does Huey Lewis, three big ones. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis and Whitney and Houston. Houston. Oh right, yeah. Whitney I think Houston. those are the three. He might do another one, but those are the three that I remember. And when ones. he pitches those, when he talks about them, he sounds like like you mentioned Jim Carrey earlier. He sounds like that. He sounds like a used car salesman. Exactly. He sounds like everything it. that he's Huey saying Lewis sounds really came into his own when he started. It sounds phony and staged. Which I think is... And Kevin and I know like phony and stage. We didn't speech. <laughs> it's even a more... I agree with that, and even it's even bigger than that, because when he... The background music is mm-hmm. an accentuation of that. Like, those big mm-hmm. artists at least have an identity. Mm-hmm. But the, he talks about artists like Stephen Bishop all the time. Stephen Bishop In the book? Is, or I don't remember In the, the book, book and in the movie. They mention Stephen Bishop. Really? He's like, I got okay. the new Stephen Bishop CD. Okay. That music is... 
it gets a passing reference, but it's the background, and it's similarly the kind of music you would hear in the supermarket. Is it yeah. kind of, you know, the, everything is like a... a we, were, we were talking about this comparison, you know, on the TV you have uh, porn yeah. playing, and then later it's the Texas Chainsaw mm -hmm. Massacre. Then you have the first, when he kills, um, what's the guy's name? The, the Paul, 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 Paul Allen. Allen. When he kills Paul Allen, he's it's describing he's describing the music, and he axes the guy, and then later... And was that Huey Lewis he was describing in that? Yeah. And then later, he's describing Genesis, and then he, like, has really graphic sex with these women. So it's sort of, sort of the Genesis. same kind of thing. Like, yeah, it's, desi it's designed to... The comparison. Well, like, in the that's thing. not on my sex playlist. Like, <laughs> I know, but it's the same, kind of, it's the same kind of setup. He's describing this music, exactly. and he commits violence, and he's describing this music, and he... In Patrick's mind, there's no separation. Sex. Like, exactly. Patrick, in the book, he talk, specifically talks about... Um, like masturbating to these kind of graphic, violent scenes in movies, all the time. Like these videotapes, these returning are all. He gets weird tapes that the titles of them suggest things like bad things happening to people's rectums. It's like, like it's it's very. It's like, yeah. Also, I. It's like trash. Everything is, but everything is on the same level of consumption to me. I mean, this is. I don't think there's like a big point to this, but it's an interesting note that this like fine dining that they're eating he describes it and selects it in the same way that he does like trash porn at a at a dirty movie store like everything that he gets every experience that he has has the same impact on him which is negligible and unless he's angry about it cuz he says the only right. two feelings he feels are disgust and, and anger, yeah. right? He doesn't say anger. No, anger. Disgust and... Greed. Disgust greed. and greed. And that's... The, in that sex scene that you were describing with the with the two women after he describes Genesis and whatnot, yeah. while he, he's, he's got the video camera set up, so he's filming himself, and while he's actually having sex, he's looking at himself in the exactly. mirror, like, making yeah. muscle arms and yeah. pointing and grinning goofy, and like, what gets him off is the idea of himself, himself. starring in what this What is he doing uh, when, the, Which when he's describing Whitney Houston, when he's talking about the Whitney Houston? He's just getting them drunk with wine, and fix Is that the scene where he's like, it's wash yourself, where he like tells that you? That, was that was earlier. No, that's the scene. This is creepy. The Whitney should clean, like, clean yourself. Yeah, he like, tells I, her exactly what to do. This, the, the Whitney Houston scene, I think, is with his friend from college, Elizabeth, and she like mentions, who is also my favorite character in the movie because she's she's, she's just got sitting like back, five she's drunk, minutes of screen and time. she's like, oh, where do I know you from again? To the the <laughs> woman who's like a streetwalker. She's like, did I know you from Sarah Lawrence? I wanna, I wanna go back to the idea of him only feeling disgust and greed because I think that's really integral to the satire that's happening, and I think that it's interesting. His disgust, like greed, is okay. We get greed. Everybody gets greed, but his disgust is centered around the relationship a person has to greed in a way because he's only disgusted by people who aren't guided by greed like greed isn't their motivation yeah. so like he's disgusted by homeless people he's disgusted by people who aren't like high performer like the artist people he's really disgusted yeah. by that's really interesting I hadn't made that connection they, does, does, does they make specific mention of um Vanden who's like we haven't talked about his girlfriend at all who I want to talk about later well, they really play her down in the movie they do in the book she's one of they, they like go through this whole rigmarole of her she's very hard to like in the book also. Is she really? 
Yeah, I love which is, like, it's it's Reese not is it Reese Witherspoon? Is, Reese yeah, Witherspoon, yeah. I and, love her performance. Well, her girlfriend, his girlfriend, is superficially engaging in all of those things that we don't like about Patrick's world. So she's not likable because of that. Yeah, and I mean, she's not. She's well. She has her own townhouse. She has a townhouse. Yeah. Her parents. She's bought like her, a right? big lawyer. She's like you know she's she's ACLU. doing this thing where she's got like all of her art friends because she's she's like. The, the, like, leftist, but still a member of the upper class, upper class, kind of. And she does basically the same thing as Patrick. And in the book, you just hate Patrick because he's, like, the villain. But, or in the movie, you hate Patrick because he's a villain. But in the book, they all... It kind of makes you wonder if they're not all doing the same thing in their head. Yeah. Because, and it's because, like I said, it's so effective because it makes you... When you read this book... You know, it's not like Ulysses or whatever, but like when you, when you <laughs> thank God when you when you read it, I couldn't get there's there's something really profoundly psychological happening where you're seeing Patrick Bateman in yourself. Okay, so I'm the guest and I run everything today because I'm the <laughs> <laughs> and therefore I have proposed this week's game, which is Mary Fuck Kill, because I feel like Patrick Bateman is talking a lot about those three things in the movie. He's gonna marry a secretary. Uh, fuck this lady. He talks about that in the book, not the movie. Oh, he hasn't mentioned the book or in the movie. No, he doesn't talk about marrying a secretary. He talks about not marrying his uh, girlfriend. Okay. Yeah, which is well, a lot of marrying, fucking, killing is heavily involved in the Patrick. She does do the thing where she's talking about the first introduction you get to Evelyn, and she's like. And dozens of chocolates from Godiva. And red roses. <laughs> she's listing off like ridiculous things. And she's like, we should do it. We should get married. And I was and like, he's like mm, I don't have the time. Oh, I love the, the earphones that he's I always taking out and listening to. I was like, thank God. They talk about it. a Walkman so, many so times much. In the, book, in the movie, so he's funny. always taking off the damn earbuds or earphones, ear headphones. headphones. Okay. okay, so we're going to play this game. <laughs> so, yes, right? okay. yes. Can All you right. explain the rules? Because it varies sometimes okay. depending on who you're playing with. I think the rules are... First of all, who the hell are you playing with that has different rules? Well, like, for instance, if you marry someone, does that mean there's no physical contact at all, right? Uh, you can decide all that for yourself. What? Here are the only rules... Here, <laughs> what do you mean? Here, I see a lot of different... That's not a rule. You're just like, yeah, whatever. That's just, like, your attitude like, towards fuck. your marriage. That's like... I mean, with kill, like... If you kill them and you have sex with them and then kill them, like okay, you can't all right, do that. All right, Taylor, slow, uh, slow down, Taylor. There has to be rules. You're talking they about necrophilia. They mutually already. exclusive. Listen, okay. they are. They have to be exclusive. Here's the only. Here's like the rules. This you can do whatever you want to outside these rules. You will be given three people. You have to assign. There's a. You have to assign what to them a relationship. Are you going to marry them, fuck them, or kill them? They're mutually exclusive. Um, except, I mean, I guess you could like fuck someone that you marry. That you know, know, I don't know, because then, like, it's like, marry, I mean, well, it's marry, kill, fuck, fuck, marry, No, marry, carry Kill, you. fuck once, or fuck I forever. Dis- I disagree, because when you marry someone, there's it's different than fucking them, because you have to put up with them forever. So it's got to be someone <laughs> that you'll put up with forever, That's and then also true. fuck forever. What's, What is the criteria for the fucking? Is that, That's like, up to you. That's what it, I'm saying. The only is it like Is it you fuck once, right? Tanner. That's what I'm asking. Yes. Well, we're trying to just yes. nail it down, right? The only rules are you either... You, you take one of these people and assign them to one and only one category. You will fuck them one time. You'll hook up with them. <laughs> I'm going to start over from the beginning of that sense. Okay, so you take these people and you assign them to one of three categories. You either fuck them one time, you marry them and do whatever. I don't care what y'all do when you're married. That's your own business. Or you kill them. And I don't care what you do before you kill them, but you can't say fuck because it's already one of the other categories. Okay, Tanner, start. 
And we're, we're doing this. Oh, oh yeah. We're, we're listing gonna... the options for the person sitting to our left. Yes. Okay. Which to the listener means nothing. I'm to your right, Spencer. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just gesture with my right hand to Kevin. You always do that. You never know, know my left, left from my right. right. Okay, so I'm, right. I'm giving Kevin a list first then, right? Okay, Kevin, you are fucking marrying or killing... Chris Pratt as Peter Quill in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, Leonard Smalls, who is the motorcyclist in Raising Arizona. <laughs> the one with the beard. It looks like a, Or Edward Norton in American History X. <laughs> did you did you forget that I'm the only person at this table who's <gasps> not? I just gotta say. Do you want to see a photo of him at least so you can decide? <laughs> I don't. Know. I'm not. You've never seen Raising with... Arizona. I've seen Raising Arizona. I, I like how last, I like how you one? Edward Norton in American well, History X. Well, you're, Tanner, you're, I like how you uh, back the only straight person in the room into a gay corner. Right. <laughs> back the only straight person <laughs> in the room. <laughs> gay okay. Should we? Have, Tanner and I had a conversation with this earlier. We're like, we ever. You haven't come, come out, out on the podcast. No, we haven't come out on the. Oh, I think you did. I think you hinted at it in the first episode. What did we say? We're like, we prefer... <clears throat> ooh. We're like, ooh, I'm a confirmed old bachelor. <laughs> <sighs> okay, I know for sure I have to kill Edward Norton because he's a, a white, white supremacist. supremacist. Is he really? And it's only politically wait, wait, correct to kill that him. That means that you are left to either marry or fuck Chris Pratt or the bearded... Like, Why wouldn't you marry Chris Pratt? I know, but he has to. if he marries Chris Pratt, he has to fuck the guy... Who is like a bearded old man in in uh, the motorcycle Arizona? Yeah, yeah, I'll do Who that. Who looks a lot like one and done. Kevin, yeah, but murder. Chris Pratt will probably treat you right. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that I marry Chris Pratt because that would be that fun. That man will Big destroy old you. Handsome face. He'll destroy what? your that ass. That man will destroy He'll you. He'll destroy your ass. Who decided <laughs> what position I'm playing in this? That's very That's true. Radical. You could destroy Go. his old oh, ass. Oh, you think he's bottom? <laughs> There's no we. So many people are like, I'm unsubscribing. Yeah, so many. All two people. How oh. dare he? <laughs> I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to listen to this episode yet. Alex am, is our only their, listener. I'm their first and most diehard listener. I'm their stan, and I will kill you over this podcast. That's true. Alex is the stan. He's so sweet in he's doing a, so. It's like it's like. Like, shut, does, up, does as, shut up, Tanner! Shut up, Does this count as like like community Here's, service hours? Well, you know watching what? Or what what I do hate about this is sometimes when I'm listening, I want one of you to shut up, and I didn't tell you to shut up this time when I had the chance. Oh, you fucked oh, up. I man. messed up. You I'm could sorry. have actually done Shut up! <gasps> oh, there it is. Wait, okay. Oh, you want to tell us all to shut up or me specifically? Um, just Alex prefers on... silence in his podcast. <laughs> podcast right, could right, be right, seen right. and not heard. Quiet, quiet, quiet. All right, all right. Kevin, who are you going to So, um, what I already decided my choices. They are? Flush and um, They are kill the white supremacist. Um, Ed Norton. Yes. Um, fuck the biker and marry Chris Pratt for a lifetime of laughter. Aww. Aww. <laughs> He'd be a sweet husband. He would. Um, okay. Or a boring one. Since I know Spencer is a big fantasy fan... I selected three fantasy <gasps> figures. Fantasy? Uh, ah. Kevin asked me today if I had, like, he was like, oh, you like fantasy novels. And I was like, are you Shut kidding up, me? idiot. That's what you were yeah. saying. Yeah. All right, so your three options. My grandfather probably listens to this podcast. <laughs> I know your mom does. I know my mom does. Oh, yeah, that's she does. cute. Okay. Yeah. All right, so Sorry, Spencer. Tanner's mom. You mean you're I love your work. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> See, I was being about me or my brother? Uh, your brother. Your brother. All right. Spencer's three <laughs> options. Fantasy figures are Jabba the Hutt. Um, <laughs> um, that well, he's rich. The, 
the the orc king from the Hobbit movies. With, with the white orking? With the, with the, he's got a body. With the harpoon hand? Yeah. yeah. Yes. He's got a body. Who's like, the troll king? The troll king, like, in that mountain You thing? shut your mouth. I'm you with shut your mouth. With the chain that hangs down. I'm okay. With the, okay. Who's my third? So Jabba the Hutt, the orc king, and a Dementor. <laughs> well, he can't fuck himself. Oh, oh how oh, dare you? Oh, okay, okay. so he looks like a Dementor, by the way. Obvia- obviously, <laughs> we have covered it in the podcast more than once. Mary Jabba, can you? We can't kill a Dementor. I mean, guess I would. How would I kill a Dementor? I would imagine like drowning it for some reason. Imagine like holding its gross hooded head under the water until it's like <laughs> <laughs> kill the Dementor, marry Jabba, and uh, get busy with uh, the Orc King. Ew. Who's okay, purely like CGI, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jabba's got that He's money, like a... that Tatooine money, girl. Got that pod <laughs> oh. racer Tatooine money. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Gonna, live in, gonna keep me in metal bikinis for the rest of my life. <laughs> when I was when I was in middle school, I used to draw comics, and they were often spoofs of things I liked. So one of them was Star Wars, and my spoof figure of Jabba the Hutt was called Guaba the Butt. Who was constantly oh, having plastic surgery to make himself fatter? And like, oh, Wobble the Bud debuting his new eighth chin today. That was okay, actually. Okay, of the Hut is a giant second chin. Like, it's a face <laughs> and yeah. some chin. He's like, There's like a. Uga Chaka, Uga Mecca like a high, Mecca, Heine Ho. There's like a 20 minute long documentary featurette on the making of Jabba the Hut, how he's a giant puppet, and how he was operated by like five different people. Five guys? Inside. Yeah. Burgers yeah. and fries? <laughs> I actually, I w- I'm glad you said Jabba and not Pizza the Hut from Spaceball. Because <laughs> pizza is favorite. gross. Pizza's the worst. I would fuck Jabba every day before I fuck Pizza the Hut. But Hutt. you could <laughs> eat Pizza the Hut. True. You no, could eat his entire beef. You. you. No. Could. But, but he was like, he's metal, probably too lazy metal, to feed you like, regularly, so you'd have to well, feed like, him. Plus, like, I've said this before, like, covered in marinara sauce is, like, a, a weird, like, fantasy for me that, like, has to happen. Okay. Uh, there's the right. sound of Kevin Papp's political and career. And the podcast <laughs> is finished. And Tanner, it's your turn. Okay. Okay, Tanner, I have chosen options for you that are all pop culture figures, and they're based on um, Patrick's obsession with uh, pop music, okay? Okay. All right. So, all right. Shoot. <laughs> so, um, Bobby if, if you could name one uh, person that was the devil in all of this, that would be me. <laughs> okay, so, fuck, Mary kill, Justin Bieber, Whitney Houston, or Kanye West. Oh, good choice. Okay. Oh, man. R.I.P. Winty, Winty, Whitney. No, oh, a living Whitney Houston. Li- of course. Not modern Not, day Whitney. Okay. In her. The idea. <laughs> the idea of Whitney. <laughs> oh, what did they say about John Brown's body is a mold? Whitney Houston's body is a moldering in the grave. I don't know what you're talking about. John Brown. Okay, John you're stealing Brown's the spotlight from Tanner right body now. Body is a moldering <laughs> so, in the grave. Yeah. Can you stop? Abolition. Can you stop? Stop talking. Can you stop? Okay. <laughs> I got it. And stop raising our consciousness about slavery in your presence. Stop it. Stop. I want to hear her response. Stop it. Stop. All right, Tanner. Okay. Kanye, Whitney, or Justin? Okay, I'm definitely going to fuck Justin Bieber. Okay. 
because reasonable. I, mean, I feel like it makes perfect sense. It does. Although he does look like he's got like a hunchback, like he's crossing mm, Moto. He's made. He's made for fucking insane. He, he is made for fucking insane. Are we as old as Justin Bieber? Or is he younger than us? He's like, he's like year two older. years. Well, he's two years younger than me, like a year younger. Yeah, than he's like. Is he a year young? Oh, I guess he's my age then. Oh. I think he's 21. Okay, then he's one year older than me. Meanwhile, or he's a little like, bit older than me. I'm about to turn 21. Either way, he's about your age. Yes. He is um, definitely the person I would fuck. Um, Kanye West and Whitney Houston. Man. Maybe that Kanye. Get I that think Kanye. I got Yeah, I got to marry Kanye because, like, Whitney Houston, she's going to die anyway. She would kill, her. kill Whitney Houston. Yeah, she. Yeah. I want you to think about that. Yeah. You're going to kill. Whitney Houston. She killed herself. She didn't kill herself. She just... Accidentally. Accidentally. Or on purpose. We'll never know. I don't know. But you're going to kill her? Yeah. You're going to be known as the guy who kills Whitney Houston? Well, here's the question. AKA Pills. Is that what you, Is that your new name? <laughs> my nickname is Pills. My new name is Drugs. My new I mean, name is Faith. If I marry her and then she it's does end up dying, I mean, can I then go marry? Can I go marry Kanye West after well, that? Well, here's the thing: if you marry Whitney Houston, she lives indefinitely afterwards until both of you die at the same time. Then I'm definitely marrying Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you should kill Whitney yeah, Houston. Yeah, kill uh, kill Whitney Houston. Fuck the Dickens out of Justin Bieber, <laughs> and then marry Kanye West. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Kanye West would keep you. Dressed in the right clothes. Oh yeah, I'd feel very stylish. He uh, he would probably say a lot of things about how your ass is. I get smaller. to hang out with Jay Z um, yeah. and Beyonce. Here's the thing, though. I would get to hang out. Your I could ass not is your like your ass is one twentieth the size of Kim Kardashian. So I don't see how it's gonna work out. <laughs> you might end up divorced if you marry Kanye. West. I can do like Nicki Minaj and get some implants. That's true. I could. I didn't say that. Tanner said that. Nicki. Sorry. It's well. We, it's all we all know. This has been the most graphic, expletive-filled episode. That has it really? It's because of Alex. And it's really just <laughs> I'm been, the devil. It's really just been because of the past 15 minutes. It was all, like, pretty typical. We were no, just talking about Americans. Yeah, but here's the thing. But... He's right. It was fine and, and civil until we all got drunk and played Murder, Fuck, Kill. Or Mary, Fuck, Kill. Whoops. Murders and acquisitions. <laughs> I mean, murders and acquisitions. Murders and executions. Well, um, all that being said, I really appreciate you guys for letting me participate in this episode. I had a great time. We really regret it. Thank yeah. you for coming. <laughs> Thank Fingers you. crossed. I'll be, to future employers. I'll be ruining all of your lives after the show. <laughs> to future employers. I feel like my life's already been ruined by <laughs> this. Is um this is in no way the previous game was in no way the opinions of the there will be brunch executive. Team. But actually, it's, it's literally just, just of the people who just yeah. It's, it's actually the opinions of the people who just express their opinions who happen to be the people that our <laughs> our on podcast personas do not necessarily reflect our actual opinions. Yes, but Kevin, actually, but Kevin here's the thing the character though. Here's, here's the thing though. Same. Exactly. That's You're great. Except person. nobody's been a character so far. So all y'all is ruining your life. So you I don't know. That part you out. don't know me. Alex will be edited entirely out yes. of this. All the <laughs> there'll be silence in the spaces between. Be mysterious no. if it was like, like three minutes of silence, and then you guys are like, "Yeah, I agree." That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to remove your voice, and then just have okay, Spencer respond be, to everything. This would say. be the psycho episode of There Will Be Brunch. Well, anyway, thanks for having me. We're going to have, for, for the Psycho episode, we will have a dead Alex Holling head. A corpse propped up yes, in a chair. a corpse propped up in a chair. Drinking mimosas. Mm-hmm. We will, we will pour into his, 
his open it trickles mouth. Trickles out of the corners of his mouth and just down his limp body onto the ground. Alright, alright, it's been real at a good time. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know it's dark when our guest has He's to He's just be like, like yeah, yeah, wrap yeah. it up. But I mean, so, like, you know, follow us on, uh, um, I guess, Facebook. SoundCloud There's a Facebook. and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen to us on iTunes. If you're not listening There'll to every... be brunch. Listeners, I'm speaking to you as a listener. Preacher. If you have, if you're only listening to the ones of the movies you've already watched, you're missing out because um, they're all pretty funny. And um, you should definitely listen to them because it might make you want to watch a movie. Who knows? So, you know, broaden your horizons. Although there are spoilers, so you might learn something. Also, don't listen to Tanner. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing of substance to add to this podcast. He's I'm the here, Patrick Bateman of the podcast. I'm here because Tanner. What do you think of sweater vests? Um, Rick Santorum. That's all I got to say. That's not what Patrick Bateman would say. What would he say? He had, there's a whole uh, passage about it. Oh, He's like, Lord. you wear it with you wear it with these kinds of clothes. You don't have to wear it only only with a suit. He has all these like stipulations. And read the book. It's a lot of fun. It's 400 pages long, but it goes by really quickly. Nah. I, mean, I just started this week, and I'm almost finished with it. Read books, y'all. Read a book. Read a book. No. <laughs> Pick up a book. You are the future. <laughs> the magic of reading. All right. Well, what a protracted ending. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>